What's up, everybody out there in podcast land? Jason and Bo are back with another episode of Parked in Turn One to recap Valencia and the MotoGP season. Bo, what's going on, man? Good evening, Jason. How are you doing this morning? This evening? This morning. Listen to me. I don't know. I'd like to speak to Bo, please. I don't know who this person is, but put Bo on. <laughs> I'm here, just excited to get, I was thinking of the morning, you know, waking up and watching everything um, live in Valencia this weekend, so that's what, uh, that's what came across. Yeah, yeah, so how'd that go, man? You, you, uh, did you wake up and watch it live? Yeah, we tried to, we ended up, uh, we missed the Moto3 race live and had to go back and watch it, but everything else we, we kind of caught as it, as it was going on, but the big weekend, yep. you know, I mean, it was a, it, it was definitely a... Uh, a date and time that you know that that for the moto gp paddock that it will never yep. forget yeah i think so I, I think um it was the end of an era right i mean i don't know if there's another way to describe it it was the end of uh the rossi era in moto gp and to be quite honest uh i think all good things come to an end but i don't know you know, even five years ago that I could have envisioned what MotoGP would look like without Rossi. So I think it's in good hands, though. I think we've got some good racing ahead of us. I think there's some some real, real talent coming up through the ranks. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the future. Will I miss seeing number 46 on the grid? 100%. But would I... Am I excited to see what the young guys can do? Absolutely, because I think there's going to be some great racing. What's your feeling? Uh, you know, right, right along those lines as well. Um, the the grid is definitely not going to be the same. I, I think we're still definitely going to see, you know, a sea of yellow, um, maybe a little bit more spread out now, but definitely not lacking in any numbers by by any means necessary. Um, I, I too am, am really looking forward to what's coming in the MotoGP and the hands yep. that it has been left in with the current crop of riders and the riders that are, are entering. But, uh, you know, like you'd said, it, it, there's really just, it, it's a, an era that is, that is ending that nobody really thought that I think you know, about it ending for a while. Um, you know, and I don't want to say everyone kind of took Valentino Rossi's presence for, for granted, but I know personally, I don't know what a MotoGP paddock looks like, um, without Valentino Rossi. I, I don't know the pre Rossi era, you know, I obviously know some of the big legend names that were in the, in the paddock, but I don't know what those grids look like. I don't know, you know, what the phantom looks like. Um, when it comes to that, and you know, Valentino Rossi, we've talked about it before, has done so much for the sport that um, it, it's just I immeasurable for MotoGP to see where he's really brought it to. I, I think you're right. I, I think what Rossi did for GP was he brought it into the mainstream. He's He was such a character, you know, he, he, he was this energetic, funny, uh, likable character off track, uh, super charismatic. I, I, that's the thing. I, I think that's the word is charismatic because 
as good as some of these writers that are out there now are. And they are brilliant. They really are. Um, and even a transcendent talent like Mark Marquez, the charisma off track is, isn't there, not in the same capacity. Um, that's not to say that Mark Marquez isn't uh, a nice guy. I, I'm sure he's plenty nice. Um, but I just, I, I just don't see anyone in that vein. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense or am I just talking in my head? I, no, I, I think, think so because I, I think Rossi really knows and likes working the camera as well. You know, he likes yeah. the attention, but, but he likes to see, he likes the interaction with fans, I think. Yeah. Um, he's just that personality that's that's larger than life. That you know, you always know what that big smile is going to look like. You know, in the forty six garage, and and I think that he, it's just who he is. It, you know, I mean, yeah. he yeah. he had some controversial um, things early on in his career. Uh, he was just that that spark and that 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 wildfire that the paddock needed, and he really embraced everything about that role that he took on. Um, as a rider and as a representative of MotoGP, I think. Well, I think the biggest thing was that he had a passion for it all the way up until the end. I, I think you saw that in the last two races. He really, really worked hard to finish the season with at least some sort of result. And, you know, finishing the top 10 in his last race, okay, it's not a podium and definitely not a win. But from where he's been all year... This was quite the effort, and I right. think for him, you know, that's what he wanted to do, was to show people that, yeah, I still love this. I still am interested. I'm not disinterested in what's going on. This isn't just me collecting a check. I'm, I love motorcycle racing, and I'm passionate about it, but there are some things, you know, that I, I can't overcome. And, and if you look at the statistics, and you've said this before, he was running faster this year than he has ever run. And the, the, the rest of the paddock had just gotten so good. The level had just jumped up so far that a 42-year-old man, even a man as great as Rossi, is going to struggle to hold on. And I think we saw it just in, you know, just one year off with the great Mark Marquez. Um, so, you know, I tip my hat to him. And, and I have to, I listen to, and there's something I wanted to say here because I, I listen to some other podcasts about MotoGP. Um, I don't, and I definitely try not to regurgitate what I hear upon that because I don't want to take credit for my own, you know, for being my idea. And, and right, right. But they they do have insights that I don't think about. This causes me to think about other things, and it causes me to come to some other conclusions. But one of the things that I didn't like about the particular podcast I I listened to was it's three journalists that basically cover every race. And they were just so over the Rossi celebration leading up to. They're like, oh, it just felt so contrite, and this is just too much, and we're focused on this. And and I thought to myself, you know what? That is what being at every, or being around MotoGP so much and having it be your job has done to you because what he's done for this sport, the reason you have a job, it's him. 
It's Valentino Rossi because he's the one that made people interested. He's the one that made it interesting and have give people platforms to write their articles and these and to celebrate a man that's done that and been in the paddock for a quarter century for one week was too much for you. Yeah, that really got under my skin, and I really thought. At that point, I was like, I swear to you, I hope that that never happens to me if we keep doing this. I hope I don't get there to where I am not a fan anymore, and it's just my job. And I swear I feel about it, and I'm sure they think they're still fans, but if you, I'm sure, and I'm sure they didn't think that someone like me would listen and go, oh, that is terrible, they, they were they were they were whining about his face being on the side of a building. They were whining about the thing where they've brought every world super uh, championship bike out. They were whining about the people wearing the helmets, and they they just didn't like any of it. And I was like, really? Like so? All that was for nothing? Like you think that was too much? I mean, one week we haven't done it in every every track all year. You know what I mean? I get it at right, that right. point. But this was the last time, the last ride, and it, it just it got under my skin. And and I want to say to anybody that's out there that maybe would be a journalist, remember why you got into it, right? Remember the passion that you had for the sport, because if you don't, you're not going to be as good at it. And if you lose that passion, and, and that's that's sad. Because I know that every time I go to a race and every time I turn the race on, it's not a job. It's what I want to do. It's it's awesome. And I love it. And this year making notes about the races was my first for me. And that was great. It made me think more. It made me think deeper into, you know, the track, the outcome and the teams and what all that meant. And I'm sad for those guys who, you know, were saying that stuff. So I think he deserved everything that he got this week. Uh, you know, I I don't think you can measure what he's done for the sport. And yeah, it was a little bit, it was a lot. It really was. It was all about him all week, even though we knew he wasn't going to win. But you know what? He, if anyone has earned that right, it's him. And I think the yeah. fellow writers showed us that he did because they never spoke ill about it. Right. And uh, uh, yeah, so. I went on a little rant there. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's no. okay. I'd like to piggyback off a couple of them if that's okay. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I, I haven't followed MotoGP for very many years. You know, I've only been actually riding for probably five and a half, six years maybe now. Um, and I really only started following motorcycle road racing when I got into riding track, which was in 2018. Um, it was that summer that, you know, Ange and I really started to, to, to tune in a lot more and pay attention to it as, you know, it was more applicable to what we were actually um, doing, you know, and learning sure. from and seeing the changes and stuff. But I can, I can absolutely tell you that I knew Valentino Rossi's name before I could tell you anything else about a motorcycle other than the fact that it had two wheels. I, I, I distinctly remember... Valentino Rossi's name you know, years ago in the early early 2000s um, and you know to me he is the the milestone of, of MotoGP obviously we've talked about it numerous times but like you're saying you know with these these guys that um, report on races and are upset about the time frame of the time that was allotted to the Rossi celebration the um, the time that was dedicated to it 
um, and the effort that was that was put forth for it. Um, look at the riders at the end of that race. Uh, even even championships that have been won, we haven't seen that many riders go out of their way to find that that championship winner and congratulate them. In, in from what I've seen in the past, but every rider stopped, found their way to Valentino Rossi and Pecco Bagnaia. You know, Pecco Bagnaia won that race and still had nothing his celebration was valentino rossi and and that shows a lot doesn't yeah it shows just how important valentino rossi is but also the class of pecco bagnai as well um and what rossi's bringing into this sport you know that that it is in good hands and and that he is such an important part of what MotoGP is and i think will continue to be in the future I would agree with you. I, you know, I I think Pecco Bagnaia. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in Met, MotoGP, but my right. goodness, winning four out of the last six races, <laughs> uh, I'd be worried if I was everyone else. Um, but uh, I I think even Mark Marquez's brother Alex Marquez went over to congratulate him. We know that Mark and Valentino are not friends, but Mark Marquez also on that video was there saying. Congratulations on a great career. Right. You know, so I think it just it just got under my skin that they were just, oh, this is so much. Oh, Valentino Rossi everywhere. Oh. It just it, it came off as jealousy to me because they know at the end of their career, nobody's going to do that for them. They're not going to have a week-long celebration of the, the greatness of which you brought to the sport. And it just it came across to me as as ungrateful for what the guy's done for the sport and for you indirectly because you have a job reporting on that sport because of a guy like Valentino Rossi, right. um, and and maybe you would have it anyway, but it wouldn't be your entire job. So I don't know. I, there's just it just uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And those guys usually do a great podcast, but. When they started talking about that, I mean, it really, it almost made me want to turn it off. But anyway, let's talk about Moto3, unless you've got something else to say. No, um, no, I'm, I'm, I think we've, um, absolutely, you know, not to We've ranted like plenty. How, many, yeah. how, long did we, how long did we not mean to sidebar on that? Um, uh, 15 minutes, we're fine. We're good. Oh, fine, it's fine, totally yeah, fine. All right. all right, so, you know, in the Moto3 race, we had a really good race, actually. It was really exciting. Um, you know, Chavi Artigas... Uh, wins the race. Uh, Sergio Garcia finishes second. Jama Masia finishes third. Um, we did see Fagia and um, Pedro Costa come together, causing Pedro Costa to fall. I don't think it was egregious. It was kind of a racing incident. Fagia made a mistake. Big deal. You know what I mean? It didn't It didn't figure. Nobody was hurt. Right. And I, I, I know that Fagia, who came over and congratulated Pedro in Portimao, I know that he didn't do that on purpose or to say anything to Pedro. I, you know what I mean? I, it just happened, and it was unfortunate. Um, but what really stood out to me about this race was, number one, uh, Dennis Onchu was on the ragged edge the entire time. Um, and saw Sergio Garcia and the class of that young man. And I think next year, Sergio's got to be Got to be right up there at the front and a favorite to win this Moto3 title. Um, 
But congratulations to Chavi Artigas, who ran an excellent race, staying out of trouble when he needed to, and then taking the lead there close to the end and and holding on and doing it for his first win in uh, Moto3. I mean, that's a great way to end, get some momentum headed into next year. What do you think? Uh, no, same thing along those lines. Um, huge credit to Chavi Artigas. Um, you've got to be there the entire race. You've got yep. to watch yourself. You've got to keep your nose clean. You've got to keep the paint off the bike as much as you can. And you got to keep. And that's not easy in Moto Three. Let's no, be honest. There were some hard moves and in there. There were some with, hard moves. You know what is it? Uh, 15, 16 turns, uh, maybe fourteen around this track that are. You know. I don't know. I counted seventy-four. Uh, and, I don't know. And sketchy, There's a lot of turns. You know, and and this isn't a huge <laughs> top speed track. Once they get into the infield and start working around this track, it's just you know these bikes are chopping each other up, lap after lap after lap, and. And like you said, it is not easy to keep that bike upright, especially in a Moto3 class, and let alone a track like with the characteristics that Valencia has. But he did it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, he and surely he, did. He did it against guys that are aggressive and fast. You know, and not to say any, take anything away from him. You know, because obviously he won the race, so he's got some speed about him. But in his rookie season, he's cho- he's dicing it up with you know guys like Sergio Garcia, Jeremy Masia. You know, Dennis Onchu and, and Philip Salich that were in the top five. So, you know, huge credit to him. And, um, you know, I think you're, you're spot on with saying that, you know, he could be a front runner and championship contender next year. So his teammate might, or he, he will not be um, Dennis Faggi's te- teammate next year, I believe, correct? He's going to a different team. That's correct. Yep. Um, now, he, is he going to a KTM team? I can't remember off the top of my head, or is he staying on a Honda? That is, I, I don't know. I, it, everything was moved. I have to, I have to go back and look and collect all my thoughts about who's going to be where. A um, lot of, lot of movement here in the last couple of weeks, you know. And right, so, right. Um, well, that's, so that's I, my but, only hang up is, you know, if he does change from a KT, from a Honda to a KTM, Gas Gas, uh, Husqvarna, whatever, it's going to be badged as next year. I think there's even a uh, another bike that's going to be coming in as a KTM. Um, sweet. But, uh, you know, as long as he can adapt to that bike quickly and learn its characteristics, I absolutely think that he's going to be a championship threat. I think, I think, yeah, I think there will be, um, that's, that's obviously a thought to think about, but, you know, we'll see, you know, both the gas gas guys, I think have to be looked at as possible contenders with Sergio being a little stronger than Izan, but Izan is a great I think he ran some great races this year, picked up his first win in Coda, um, uh, luckily. But all year, he's shown some real speed and talent, and I think next year he'll just be better. Of course, the KTM boys will all be there. You know, Masia, uh, Dennis Onchu, uh, and then you're adding, um, you know, who else to the mix? Uh, Sasaki. And, you know, uh, it, it's going to be, and Dennis Force is coming back, so... Uh, we're going to see, we're just going to see, and, 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 you know, maybe it's a bounce back year for Callahan, you know, it, it really would be nice to see him back up at the front. I mean, he is, he is just, man, he is Tatsuki Suzuki has just struggled all year and he couldn't finish races. And, and so hopefully we'll see that bounce back for him, but, you know, and you've got guys like Mino and, and I mean, I, and the list just goes on, right? But right, right, Sergio, Sergio really, until the injury, was the guy pushing Pedro the hardest. And I'm interested to see how that goes next year. I really am. But but the race you, was... Go ahead. 
Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think the names that we um, we we are see, continuously starting to see names getting bigger and bigger in Moto3, I think. And that yeah. that grid is just becoming so competitive. Um, you know, a guy like Niccolo Antonelli finished in ninth place. You know, so, um, and for him to be that far back, still in the top 10, but these guys to be fighting that close, it shows you the pool of talent that is here and yeah. just just how competitive competitive that class is um, oh that's true you yep, know absolutely um, yep I, I think i think it is and i think it's going to be another great year next year um my man Ryusei didn't have a great week of course now he he got mixed up in some stuff but uh we'll be back Ryusei will be back i am anyway gotta get that uh that Yamanaka flag flying here. But, uh, you know, I, I was a great end to the season. I, I thought it was an exciting race. I, I thought as I was watching that atmosphere, I mean, it was just so cool. And I think Valencia is definitely a, a, a bucket list, attend a race kind for me. Um, because I think the, the after parties are probably pretty epic, you know? Do you remember uh, the race? And, um, at the, the last Moto2 race when they finished up using the CBR 600 engines. And they were just trying to blow them up. They were just rev bombing every single bike in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, that was pretty crazy. I, I'd but, say that to, to, to add on to your after party comment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it's time. You're going to take a couple of days you're and, and celebrate. And then you're right back at it for 2022, right? So it's uh, it's a good time. I mean, as far as there were no championships to decide, it was just a good race. And, you know, we had a first time winner, which was, which is good. And I think year is just set up to be an amazing competitive year because I, I mean, rookie could come in and be similar to but what's going to happen. What I think is going to happen is you're going to have four or five guys just going at it. Absolutely hammer and tongs and it's just going to be for the viewer it's just going to be amazing no i completely agree um and now i want qatar to be here next weekend right um i'm just I'm <laughs> right. ready for this right can we just skip all the off season and go straight to it right yeah i'm let's do I'm that a little sad to be completely honest it's bittersweet it is, you know, a fantastic yeah, it is weekend. a little sad had tons had, had a, a great recipe for an excited weekend um, all around, yep. and yep. now it's it's over, sadly. So well, now we come I was, to I news was, articles. That's right. Now, I was happy to see Pedro as aggressive as he was. You know what I mean? Like, I thought, you know, I, I wondered what Pedro would come out as, and Pedro came out and went to win the race. Unfortunately, he got knocked off, but, you know, that, that shows me a little bit of insight into Pedro, and that's that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Um, you want to move to Moto2? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. Well, and this was the this race was the one I anticipated all weekend the most, or all week the most. I really wondered what was going to happen. Um, o Fernandez winning the race, shocking. Uh, Fabio Di Antonio getting second, and uh, Augusto Fernandez was uh, finished a third and got his podium there. So. Raul Fernandez knew he had to win, and Remy had to finish less than 13th or 12th. But um, it wasn't to be. Raul did what he had to do, but Remy came through and, and, and you know, made it. 
Um, Raul Fernandez, I, I don't know what else to say about the guy. Honestly, I don't. I, I can't wait to see this kid in Moto in MotoGP uh, and get a couple of seasons under his belt because I think everybody better watch out. Um, do I think he'll stay on the KTM is the question. So I think that, that's, I, that that brings up the point I was going to make. You know, you said it the other day was as long as KTM puts a good bike underneath him, he's going to be a monster. And and I, I his metronomic riding style to me and the his ability to manage races from the front um, speak to his maturity. And if he can adapt that directly over into getting a feel for the front end of the motorcycle and MotoGP, and figuring out the front end of the Michelin uh, using the Michelins, um, yeah, it's going to be dangerous, man. And it, we're yeah, just going to be really. in for such a treat. Well, um, absolutely. Well, Brad Bender says that that KTM is very, very close. They made some adjustments. They had some new parts, and they have one or two more things, and then that bike will be dialed in. And he was excited for next year because they came a long way uh, recently. Um, so that means if you put Raul Fernandez on a competitive bike, all the things that you just said are absolutely true. And I know we had the argument about Bender and GP, but the difference in style between Fernandez and Bender, Fernandez's style, the ability to run metronomic laps, the ability to manage the race at the front, the, the ability to manage a tire that we've seen from him, uh, to ride through pain, to do all these things. I mean, I don't know how he doesn't win a world championship without disaster. Um, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, but on Sunday, he was what he had to be, and that was the Raul Fernandez that gets the job done. And he, he's kind of a serious dude, right? Like, he doesn't look like a I'm having a great time kind of guy. He yeah. looks like I was about business, right? Like he's a businessman and it's about, it's about the business of winning races. And that's what brawl is about. Um, a little bit, uh, reminds me a in that regard of, uh, of Mark Marquez about the seriousness of the winning the race. And that's the, that's the goal and nothing else is the goal. Uh, but mostly, you know, as you've brought up many times, he does remind me a little bit of Jorge Lorenzo and, and I've heard more than one press, uh, uh, associate or um, uh, reporter and announcer refer to that because he does have that style. And if he can, if he can cover up the problems that KTM is having and, or they get them figured out, man, look out because this guy's going to be something. Um, but well, Fabio really, did genitalia. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to talk about Fabio. No, no, go ahead. You oh, have another the, comment the, about no, Raul? The only thing I was going to add about, about um, Raul Fernandez was what really stuck out to me this year and is risk mitigation. Um, I know that he had a couple a couple offs and a couple DNFs, and he had the crash in, in Saxon ring, but his risk mitigation and his just sheer calculation before he will make an, a pass – um, he studies so much during a race, I think, and that just speaks volumes to me right now to, uh, to him as a rider. Um, so that's all I wanted to add, you know, continuing to laud praise on him. Um, but yes. Yeah, he's, he, he's a special rider. I, I think the only thing holding that will hold him back from winning a world title is him. 
I I right. I I think he on the right bike, you know, making the right decision with the right teams, the right bikes. This guy's going to win a handful, if not a pile. Um, but Fabio D'Antonio, we need to talk about Digia. Um, great race, uh, led for a lot of it, and um, I, I'm I'm so happy to see the form that we have seen at the end of the year from Fabio. He is uh, he is a talented rider, and has sometimes honestly has underachieved. Right, I think we all know that. Yeah, but a lot of the questions. But he, but he's here I, now. A lot of the year, I definitely questioned why it was announced so early that he had a you know a Grassini seat on a Ducati next year. Um, but he's showing us why he earned that seat. He surely is, and you know, all credit to him. That's uh, that's that's great. It really is. Um, and, and listen, I, I just I I wondered if he would be able to take it back to. Raul, when Raul went by him, he was not. But, you know, he's not been on Raul's level all year, so it was a little bit, I think, a bridge too far to ask him to do that. But for him to finish second, that's 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 a great finish to his year. He's come on pretty strong second half of the season, right? Um, and he did silence a lot of the, the questions and the doubters. And that's and that's good for him. And we'll see him in MotoGP and see what he can do. Um, but he ran a really good race, and he didn't he didn't make a big mistake or a ton of mistakes. It's just Raul was faster, but Raul's faster than everybody. So right, you know, I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, and but also we mentioned Augusto Fernandez because he had a good race. Now Augusto, you know, is not going to be with Elf Mark VDS Racing next year. He's going to be in the KTM IO team. So, are you thinking Augusto may be a Moto2 World Championship contender next year? The results of Augusto Fernandez in the last, latter part of this year absolutely speak to that when you combine his results and also the fact that he's going to KTM. Um, I mean, KTM can take what raw talent is there and can do what what can work their magic, you know, like they have with uh, Remy Gardner and also with Raul Fernandez this year, yeah. and really polish yep. him into what he needs to be to be a championship contender. Um, yep. And that's not to take anything away from the Mark VDS team because we know that's a fantastic team. They've been around the paddock for forever, um, right? And they know their stuff, yes, they right? Um, yeah, sure. So you know, but I just nobody think that, is nobody is Akiyo. Akiyo is the only Akiyo. I'm really interested to see what that team does next year, though. Um, like you say, you know, because Augusto Fernandez and Pedro Costa, if Pedro Costa comes in with that kind of momentum and, and has a year similar to Ra what Raul Fernandez has had this year and really understands the bike right away, and Augusto Fernandez, who already has time on the bike and we know that is an amazing talent on the bike, um, once again, we could be in for another super exciting year the way that we were this year as far as the KTM garage. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm interested to see what Pedro does. You know, um, we talked about Pedro and some of the some of the problems he was having in the middle of the year, and evidently um, there was a stature problem. Like he had grown, and uh, they had to figure out how to adjust the settings on the bike because the way he was sitting was really hurting his back. And um, that's a really interesting problem, but I guess one that isn't unique to to riders of that age because they are growing. 
Um, and in the middle of the year there, there was some issues there. I've, I've heard that from those journalists that I spoke about on their podcast earlier, and he was having a lot of back pain during the time. Um, you know, but we'll see what he can do next year. A little bit bigger bike probably will fit him without any issue. You know, we had another good run from a couple other guys as well. Aaron Kinnett and Chelsea Vietti finishing fourth and fifth there. Um, good into the season. We saw Vietti really come on here at the end of the year, and that's really great. Um, Sam Lowe's finishing seventh, which is a bit disappointing, I think, for Sam. But I think the, the, the man of the day was Remy Gardner. He needed to finish above 13th, and he finished 10th. Um, I don't think he was just playing it safe. I think there were. I think his ribs were really bothering him. Um, evidently, they were, according to some of the journalists I read and and listened to, they were broken. A couple of the ribs were broken there. Mm. So um, he was super stiff on the bike. Really could not just be relaxed and ride. And uh, and so all credit to him. He fought through it and did what he needed to do and brought home a world championship. And, um, as you know, his father won a world championship in 1987 and Remy is number 87. So that was a nice moment to watch after the race. Um, good for Remy. Well done, sir. Um, do I think he's as talented as Raul Fernandez? No. Do I think that he acquitted himself very well this year? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he was steady. He had one DNF. He did what he, he knew what he needed to do. He knew he was on the right team. He knew he was on a great bike and he did it. What else can you say? That's, that's is, that's maturity and uh, wisdom beyond his years because he's been through a lot. And even yeah. on his po post-race interview, you know, he talked about not feeling like he was ever going to be good enough and he fought through that. And so a lot of respect for Remy. Um, Congratulations to him and his family and his father. Um, I'm sure that his father was just, his stomach was in knots. Um, and I, I'm also sure that was probably a great moment for him. Yeah, I can't I can't do anything to but echo what you've said. I think Remy Gardner really deserved this championship after, you know, his story and where he's come from. Um, it's also, you know, very... Uh, it's that it's the the script writers of of MotoGP, right? The way that everything's written in the stars is dad wins the world world title, and then you know his son comes into the paddock and wins as well. Um, and, and this stuff is just everything. Everything about this sport is just so poetic. I think, um, even with even the bad side, the the ups and the downs. Um, it's just it it makes for such an experience for us uh, to watch it from the outside and. You know when when Remy Garner crossed the finish line, this was a stressful race for me. So I can't I couldn't imagine what his father felt like, or even what Remy felt like <laughs> on the bike. You know, just, and, and I'm sure that after that red flag, those were the longest 16 laps that Remy Gardner has ever ridden in his life. Yeah, 100, 100 percent with the nerves and the pain yeah, and all that um, stuff. Man, goodness, so what a to, what a warrior, man. Yeah, I mean, all all respect and all congratulations go to that family and to him, and I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do in MotoGP. I wish him Me nothing too. but the best, and, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Absolutely. I think so. I think n next year Moto2 will be awesome with three Americans in it, 
and I'm really looking forward to the testing and seeing how they're doing. You know, Cameron had a, a little electrical problem there, mm-hmm. um, and and couldn't and couldn't finish. Um, but you know, he well he finished, but he didn't he didn't have a great race. Um, and it was Simone Corsi. It had to be my heart broke for Simone Corsi. I I, I just don't even understand. My goodness. Yeah. It was an electrical problem with the bike. Right. Thanks yep. a lot, MV Augusta. <laughs> you know. Um, but that is that's that's cruel to the in the extreme. That's an extremely cruel thing. And that's the way motorcycle racing is sometimes. And that was so unfortunate for him. But you know, I, he got a pole position, so there was something from the weekend. But uh yeah, I mean for Moto two, what else you got, Bo? No, that's about it, Jason. I'm uh, ready to move to Premier Class whenever you are. Well, let's do it. Let's move to this Premier Class.